Thank you for downloading episode 85 of the Shrimps Verdict podcast. All opinions expressed are those of the individual contributors and not necessarily those of either Morecambe Football Club or of Beyond Radio. Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio. over and MK Dons might be in here on the left hand side of the box twisting and turning it was a oh it's going to say it was a lovely finish but eventually it was put behind for a corner I think in the end that was a great save from Ripley with Burns just dancing his way through a couple of tackles I thought he'd slid it nicely into the far corner as well but that's a smart turn around the post by Connor Ripley going to go back on the edge of the area now and then the shot comes in and that's uh, palmed away again it might be put in oh it's off the post it's all happening inside the penalty area Jack Tucker probably should have buried that to be honest I think it probably fell to the the wrong manager in MK Don's supporter certainly the right manager of Shrimp it bobbled around inside the penalty area another save from Ripley and Tucker couldn't force the rebound home off the woodwork it goes just underneath the travelling Shrimps away to our left hand side it is an in swing towards the near post it's headed away by I think it was Kieran Phillips there who got his head on that ball not completely away though and it's into the bottom corner that's a fantastic volley to open the scoring for MK Dons we didn't get the defensive clearance done and the ball just got headed up in the air and it fell nicely at the back post and it's volleyed in sweet as a nut into Connor Ripley's far left hand corner to make it MK Dons one more can nil yeah got to be alive to those second balls Fair play to the lad who struck it, but it was a, a fine strike, wasn't it? We were right behind it, and as soon as it leaves his boot, it's one of those that you're thinking, it's got a real chance. And it, it was Captain Warren O'Hora. Uh, just into that corner, perhaps Ripley gets a touch, but not enough to keep it out. It was one of those, Matt, where we should have cleared it, and I think Derek Adams is not going to be best pleased about that, because we had ample opportunity to clear it we got the first header done I think it was Kieran Phillips who got the first header away second header just looped up in the air there's the first one from Kieran Phillips he just spoons up in the air Rawson with the first header and you've got to say from O'Hara um, I know if you're on iFollow tonight you haven't got a video stream we have got the benefit of a, re- a private replay if you like and it was a sweet strike that wasn't it from about 10 yards out here comes Conley gets a good cross and it's off on that right hand side just couldn't quite find the head of Kieran Phillips because he's caught under pressure by Cumming who pulls the ball out and here come MK Dons on the counter attack just tries to play the ball into the feet of Dennis Twiston turns Farron Rawson and gets the ball into the back of the net the advantage was played there by the referee I think Rawson had tried to pull him down just on the edge of the box but Dennis kept his feet and he's not long been off the bench as a half-time substitute manages to stay calm and fire it past Connor Ripley and early on in the second half it's MK Dons 2 Morecambe nil. yeah it looks as though for a second the referee was going to pull it back for uh Potentially a penalty, got a free kick on the edge, but just the uh, Matthew Dennis, the substitute, just manages just to get his toe onto the ball and send it beyond the the onrushing Connor Ripley, and that is just not the start of the second half that we needed. And I think Farron Rawson is a lucky boy there because it looked in real time, it definitely looked on the replay as if Rawson had done his best to haul his man down. The referee actually gave the advantage, there you go, on the edge of the area. And uh, the referee had actually played, given the advantage signal, and we put both his arms in front of him. 
and uh, I think if Dennis had stayed down it would have been a penalty and perhaps a red card I can't quite get cut out by Sean Matthew Dennis is on the edge of the area on his left foot once more oh and it's going to ricochet into the back of the net is it no we got really lucky there as Dennis twisted his way back onto his left foot 15 yards out that shot was blocked by the strong palms of Ripley and they couldn't force the ball over the line for 3-0 and behind it goes for a corner back to Mayer whips across him that's decent onto the chest of Stockton then Usman Fain who's never scored a goal in professional football in this country his eyes lit up like a Christmas tree there on the edge of the box uh, but his volley uh, barely went out for a goal kick Reaction to the action. This is the Shrimps verdict on Beyond Radio. It's fair to say that we need to offer more. Certainly on Saturday against Portsmouth, we need to offer much, much more in the final third. We've got to find that magic from somewhere, whatever that might be. So it's defeat then here at Stadium MK. There'll be no history made for the shrimps tonight we won't be in the fourth round draw of the Carabao Cup we've been beaten by MK Dons by two goals to nil and in fairness uh, it was pretty easy for Liam Manning's men tonight at times they were knocking it around like a training ground routine we've got to focus on on the positives certainly on, on Friday there were plenty of positives we played with lots of tenacity and endeavour but we're perhaps just outclassed on the night I think Derek Adams is going to be a bit more disappointed tonight certainly given the fact that we went for it we made that double substitution with Adam Mayer and Dylan Connolly coming on after just half an hour he brought Cole Stockton on at half time as well changed the formation went much more attacking uh, but it made no difference at all I've looked down at my notes here and we didn't have a single shot on target tonight yeah I mean we were beaten by a far better team than us um, you can see that uh, how well MQ Dons played tonight you know they passed the ball well um, they ran hard they got the ball back really well and just like to apologise to you know supporters tonight it was uh, uh, we've come up against a, a far better team than us tonight they, we were quicker on the ball uh, they moved it better their understanding of the game was better than us tonight we, we, we have no complaints we were beaten by a far better team you were very proactive with your substitutions in the first half and early in the, after the break as well. How frustrating was it? You weren't able to get up ahead of steam and that second goal for them came so quickly after the break. Yeah, I mean, we made a number of errors you know, throughout the night and, and that's the nature of the game. You know, We weren't good enough on the ball. We weren't good enough uh, out of possession either. And um, MK Dons, um, the rotation uh, all over the pitch uh, caused us problems and uh, they're a far better side than, than us. A couple of really critical draws against tough opponents in the league followed by a couple of cup defeats now without scoring. How important is it you get firing back at the sharp end again? Yeah, I mean, it is a different uh, scenario when you are at home. Uh, you know, we have gone away from home and, you know, won at the likes of Rotherham, etc. in, in, in Forest Green, but it it was difficult tonight, you know, MK Dons are a team that uh, have got a lot of talented players. Um, they certainly finish very well this season because uh, at home uh, they're excellent on the ball. They're, they're a fantastic side to watch. Any manager or coach would love to watch them. And just unfortunate for, for our players tonight, my players tonight, that um, we didn't uh, make a good account of ourselves. And, and that sometimes happens. You've not got the biggest squad. You've played a lot of football, a lot of midweek football as well. How much is that taking its toll in terms of just fatigue right now for your squad? Yeah, we are where we are. We know who we are as, as, a, as a football club. I've spoken about it, you know, since the start of the season. And uh, I'm not going to, you know, go into it anymore because, um, you know, I've already 
told you uh, my thoughts on that. But you know, tonight, you know, we had uh, made substitutions. We tried to change, you know, things in a tactical way to, to try and help. But uh, over the night, they just had far better players than us uh, on the ball and out with the, uh, the ball as well. Back at home at the weekend against Portsmouth, three of the next four games at home as well. That's, is that an opportunity you feel to, to increase your points haul? Yeah, I mean it is. Um, you know we've got Portsmouth on Saturday, which is another big game for us. But uh, you know tonight, I think MK Dons are the best football side we've played so far this season. We have played against a lot of good sides, but tonight I thought that um, the way that they rotated, the way that they passed the ball was very strong and uh, I'm sure that they'll do very well I know they've got a young side, but they had a young side last year and I'm sure that uh, they'll pull, uh, push on It's the Shrimps Verdicts podcast, part of Shrimps Live on Beyond Radio. Hello from Dave Salmon. Thanks as ever for your downloads. We always appreciate it. A reminder that this pod is available after every single game, home and away, league and cup. Highlights of the game just gone, reaction to the action. And of course, we always look ahead to what's coming up in the fixture calendar over the next week or so. And another massive league game for the Shrimps this coming Saturday. Portsmouth, the visitors to the Mazuma Stadium. Full match commentary, of course, as ever on Shrimps Live will be on FM and DAB Plus Digital Radio on Beyond Radio across North Lancashire and South Cumbria from 2.45 and shortly after via I Follow Shrimps as well. If you're not heading down to the Mazuma, uh, we will look forward to your company. But ahead of the game, I've been chatting to Freddie Webb. Freddie is a reporter at the News in Portsmouth, the local paper, Pompey News now, and he's one of the hosts of the PO Forecast a Portsmouth League One podcast. Loads of great Pompey content if you want to get uh, some more information about uh, Portsmouth ahead of their game on Saturday. It's one of many great League One pods. Go and check it out. P.O. the number four cast. Search for it on social media and also via the usual pod platforms. You will find it there. It's a great listen. And uh, Freddie, the ideal man to get the full lowdown on Danny Cowley's men ahead of their trip here this coming Saturday. So, Freddie, thanks for jumping on our podcast again. Always great to chat to you guys because we had uh, two great games against yourselves last season. Before we get on to matters of the current season, give us the uh, the plug for the uh, PO4 podcast. Right. So if you guys ever want to listen to more Pompey stuff, we'll be getting Dave on our upcoming show as well. Uh, you can see us on SoundCloud, uh, Spotify at PO Forecast, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter and basically every single uh, social media you can think of on Pompey News Now or the PO Forecast, whichever one. There's two of them. Now we've got uh, we've got lots of great podcasts in League One, haven't we? Now I think yours is ever so slightly different to a lot of the general fan led ones in the sense that it's ever so slightly more. Well, I'm not sure if it's, it's corporate quite the right word. It's a little bit more formal, at least. Anyway. Yeah, to a certain extent. Um, we go into detail on a lot of topics, ranging from news or analytics stuff. So it's quite formatted, um, but it's still, it's fairly informal just in terms of conversation-wise. It's just a chat most of the time, just do a bit of research bolted on. It's not, um, you know, you're not, you're not listening to a lecture or anything. Have a search for that PO4 podcast, one of the many great League One uh, pods uh, around for this season. So let's, uh, before we get on to this season, actually, Fred, let's just have a little look back at last term and it, the two good games against yourselves last season I think you were comfortably 2-0 winners at your place not long before Christmas it was quite a quite an easy win on that day for yourselves and then it was Easter Monday wasn't it and we were on that run that five game run at the end of the season that that saved that, that saved us really 
And we've just beaten Charlton on the Good Friday and we've followed it up with a brilliant one-all draw at the Mazuma against against yourselves. And, uh, well, how did this, how did you, I suppose you were disappointed not to make more of the season last season. You, you were perhaps under, underachieved. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, yes and no. Um, it was a strange season because that was like the proper start of the rebuild season. Danny Cowley effectively had his first summer, lots of players going in, lots of players going out. And when that happens, it takes a while for the team to gel together. Um, there was obviously since it's Portsmouth in League One, the fans have that expectation of promotion pretty much every single season, um, purely down to the fact that history-wise, Portsmouth's been a championship club for mo- most of it, uh, a second tier anyway. So there's always that pressure and that aim for promotion. But many fans had it in their heads that it would be much more difficult and it was more about carrying on to the next season uh, this season is different um, bringing in more players bringing in a proper cementing that st- uh, strong style of football so now the very much the onus is uh, playoffs at minimum pretty much I suppose when you get a manager like Danny Cowley come to a football club it's a, a longer term project isn't it and and I suppose that's how he built his side at Lincoln in that image it took him a few years to get going and build that momentum but what signs are you starting to see, Freddie, that, that he is starting to impose his own stamp on the club? Yeah, like you said, it's a definitely a long-term project. Um, the board, um, the Eisners, are very much long-term focused. It was the same under the last manager, Kenny Jacket. They gave him a fair amount of time to put his uh, authority on things. Too much time, it, it turned out, unfortunately. But no, it's quite obvious that Danny's got a long time. And some of the things he cemented into the team are high-pressing, an attempt to try and attack with pace and meaningful effort every single time, adaptability by bringing on the right substitutes at the right time and mixing things up depending on who the opposition are. Um, when Pompey played at their best this season in a 4-4-2, they played fast, they played hard, they played on the front foot. And that and when Pompey are playing really well, those things happen. But uh, in the last month, it has been a bit of a struggle compared to the rest of the season. We'll come on to that and, and formations and, and style of play in a second. But I always think it's nice, isn't it, that a lot of football clubs nowadays, the chairman, they are trigger happy. If you don't get results within the first few months, the manager's instantly under pressure. But I suppose it's great for clubs, I suppose clubs like Portsmouth and Morecambe, actually, that the manager is given time to put their own stamp on things and and and, and actually develop the football club. And it's not it, it doesn't it's not quick, is it? It takes just take quite a bit of time to do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's great that some chairmen are now being, uh, some owners, sorry, are, are a bit more patient. Um, it's great to see simply because how many times do you see clubs sack managers and then go on that merry-go-round of sacking managers? There's no proper style of play. There's players in and out the door. There's a, there's no philosophy behind the side and the fans can feel a bit disconnected from that. But if you have a manager who's there for a long time at any size of club, really, and they've put in a style of play and they've got their loyal players the fans feel connected to it, but also it builds and builds on seasons. Um, the only way really that you could probably make the sacking the manager every time work is if your financial resources are pretty much up there with the highest in the league, because then you can have that turnover of players every single time. If it doesn't work, you can always bring in that fresh new striker, if you like. But um, no, for most of the football clubs in this league, that's, that's not really the case. So yeah, it's good that that long-term solution is there um but that doesn't change the expectations for fans the expectations for Pompey anyway is always promotional bust so there's always going to be that pressure there even though there's a long-term focus to it 
Yeah, it must be an absolute nightmare to be uh, a Watford fan, for example. I, I don't think I could I could stand the uh, the, the never ending merry go round of players and managers and different styles of play. Just it, it's got to be absolutely awful. Uh, but let's talk about current season, Pompey then, Freddie, if we may. As you've alluded to, it's not you've had a decent start to the season, but in the last few weeks, you have been a little bit up and down. Yeah, very much so. Um, for example, in, in October, Portsmouth only got one win, and that was away against Forest Green, lower in the table. Um, the record for league games in October was one win, three draws, two defeats. The two defeats come against Ipswich, and then that dreadful game against Charlton, which I went to, and I nearly got stranded in London during. So that's always a, a big thing. Um, the reason behind those things, twofold, really. Um, the first being out of our control, uh, injuries, but a mental list of injuries mainly in the centre of midfield for most of October we've been playing our fifth and sixth choice central midfielders with um, Jay Mingi and Ryan Tunnicliffe and there have also been injuries at other parts of the pitch Joe Rafferty at right back has been injured for a while uh, Sean Bracker got a knock as well Michael Morrison two centre-halves both having knocks at certain times um, but the second reason or uh, apart from the injuries mainly down to individual errors and that is individual errors defensively when under pressure from a high press and pretty much just the final pass and the final ball being off because the movement off the ball is not good enough. Um, like I said earlier, when Pompey are playing really well, they're playing really fast, really active, the movement off the ball is really good. So they're always creating chances to the two strikers up top. But uh, this month, since the movement off the ball hasn't been as good and the general passing and the end product hasn't been there, the strikers have been starved of service and it's basically shown that we haven't created the high quality chances we have this month, October, compared to the previous months going on. And then the goals dry up and you don't get the wins and, and, and round in the circle you go. That's been Morecambe's problem for large parts of the season, not not scoring enough to, to actually get positive results. Let's look at the team then, if we may. How different is it in compared to personnel, injury aside, of course, and, and playing style? What does uh, Danny Cowley current season Pompey team look like? Uh, very different compared to last season. Uh, this season, the biggest change is going to a 4-4-2 and that is largely down to uh, signing Colby Bishop from Atkinson Stanley for a deal ranging up to half a million pounds, I believe. He's our main striker, permanent striker. They also have Dane Scarlett on loan from uh, Tottenham, um, England, youth international striker, bags of pedigree, he, he's, he's got that perfect blend of being physical enough for League One, which you always worry about with Premier League loanees, but he's also got obviously got that quality of being a part of Premier League Academy. He always makes the right ones going forward and his movement all the ball is really good. So with those two strikers up top and then Joe Piggott is the third striker on loan from Ipswich, been playing a 4-4-2 um, and then the main changes are centre midfield. Um, injuries aside, our first... Top two choice centre midfielders, um, Marlon Pack, Portsmouth boy. We got him uh, on a free from Cardiff City. He's championship quality. Yeah. Fair enough. He's been around the championship for yeah. so long. Um, that complete sort of centre midfielder who defensively responsible, can pick out a pass, box to box moves up and down and high end quality there. I've also got Tom Lowry, who is excellent. Very, very, uh, very, very, very slight and small, but it doesn't matter. He, he, he can turn the ball and the six months. His movement is excellent. And when those two players have been fitting in the partnership in the middle, that's when Pompey have been playing really well. And you know from experience, you need that with a 4-4-2. You need effectively your best players to be the two centre midfielders. Um, 
So that's been working quite well. Um, other key players coming in, Owen Dale on the right wing, excellent standard right winger. Always wants to attack his fullback. Um, very forward thinking, very good on the dribble. Um, left wing, you're probably going to go with Ronan Curtis, who you've seen before. And then the back four changed slightly. Um, Connor Ogilvy from left back, you'll remember. Um, new arrival and Sean Raggett, you'll remember. Centre halves, Clark Robertson from last season, fairly solid left footed centre half. The change will be at right back with Zach Swanson, who we signed on a, for a very, very small amount of money from Arsenal. He started getting some minutes at right back. He's been very good. He he likes to he likes the overlap as well, and has got a lot of end product in terms of shooting as well, which is class. Then the only difference is we, we we've obviously lost uh, a certain keeper who play who's a Republic of Ireland international. I can't say who he is because he's gone to a team that I despise. <laughs> um, Morecambe fans, feel free to look, look him up who he is. You, you'll probably know, but I'm I can say Gavin Bazunu if you can't, Freddie. Yeah, right. yeah, you, you can, you can. No um, no so, instead, so instead, we've got Jack Josh Griffiths on loan from West Brom, who has been, I would say, harshly treated by most fans. Um, he's he's had some shaky games. Um, his distribution isn't brilliant, um, his, but his command of area is pretty good, and his shots overall shot stopping is decent. But obviously, when you go from the previous keeper to this one. Lots of people are noticing things more and he's getting blamed for goals that aren't really his fault, to be honest. But he's a solid enough keeper, I think. So that's the main change. Um, the press isn't as intense as last season, which is a bit strange statistically. But the four four two has, and basically the aim is whenever Portsmouth get the ball, try and run into the space between the opposition team, pick up some killer passes and uh, give service to those two strikers. That's pretty much the name of the game when it all clicks together. Fair to say that the goalkeeper who who shan't be named, Freddie, was without question one of, if not the best in League One last season. He had two great games against us. I remember a, a pile driver heading to the top corner. I think it was Adam Phillips at your place and he somehow got across and tipped it onto the bar. It, it, it was an incredible keeper. No surprise that he's now playing in the Premier League whoever that might be for in, mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the years to, the years to come, but uh, certainly got that quality there. In the final third as well, I thought losing Marcus Harness, George Hurst, I thought that might have hurt you, but you've recruited pretty well in that area, especially, like you say, Colby Bishop with a, a proven track record. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say Marcus Harness was still a loss, but um, he was on a one-year deal, and um, by the noises we were hearing in the summer, he wasn't going to sign an extension. So it was effectively you either have him for the season and then he leaves on a free uh, or you sell him now, which we did, sold to Ipswich for three quarters of a million. Um, he fit the system last season because we we're playing a proper attacking midfielder. Um, obviously, he's got a fair bit of creativity, but it's a goal-scoring threat from that side. But since we changed to the four-four-two, that loss isn't as bad as many people thought. And he set off like a train for Ipswich and there was bored off again, which many Pompey fans are mentioning because uh yeah he, he he he's a streaky player he's a he's a good but streaky player i still think he's one of the he still think he's up there for very very good league one midfielders but he's streaky in that sense um goal scoring wise yeah like i said it's been good pretty much until october then it stopped mainly because of the injuries and the poor performances i think pompey are like mid-table roughly for expected goals um high quality chances anyway 25 goals isn't bad Defensively, we're fairly solid in the back four. So that should be okay against Morecambe. Because 
from what I've seen, your side doesn't really have a high press that much, and that's Pompey's weakness. If you if you press Pompey's back four, there's always a mistake there. So that's what one thing to keep in mind, anyway. Well, traditionally, uh, we do play a low block, uh, the, the, the complete opposite of a high press, really. That said, we did a high press against Barnsley uh, out of nowhere. And I think it took Barnsley completely by surprise. They were expecting us to, to sit back and soak it up, and we didn't. We were at them, we were snapping at the heels from minute one. And we ended up winning that game 1-0, so perhaps that might be uh, a, a way to go. But it's certainly not traditionally the way that Derek Adams plays his football. So mm. that that's certainly, uh, certainly... I think it depends on how Derek Adams wants to go about it. Because mm. Pompey in a lot of games have struggled against a low block. Um, the one all draw against Shrewsbury at home, for example, that was a classic case of uh, Shrewsbury playing incredibly well in the first half, scoring early, um, and then just being fairly sensible structurally. And then Pompey did their usual. They, uh, they play poorly to start with for the concede of the goal, then got back into it slowly huffed and puffed and then got the first goal and then created very little afterwards. Um, and that's happened in a fair number of games. I think we've had a ridiculous amount of 1-1 draws because of that, with opposition sides scoring that one key chance and then tucking in. And if, even if Pompey get an equaliser, it still takes an awful lot. Um, bringing it back to the most recent game against Hereford in the FA Cup, um, with the injuries in midfield... Cali did a change where he played a 4-2-3-1 with Rico Hackett as the attacking midfielder. Yeah. He's got very good close control um, and dribbling, which basically helped link the midfield and the striker a fair bit, which is very good. Sometimes his end product is a bit wishy-washy, but it helped the midfield anyway. But like I said, I can't really tell how he's going to line up against Morecambe purely because I don't know what midfielders are fit and, and Cowley always lies about his injury selections in the media and that's him saying that not me he's literally come out in the media and said oh i'm not <laughs> i'm not going to give my opposition proper, yeah, Derek Adams proper injury like... news yeah, yeah exactly so we yeah. never know we'll never know really so um we'll just have to wait and see on that one then. overall though 17 games in you've just lost twice in league one this season you've got to overall be pretty happy with fifth place in the table at the moment uh, it's okay. It's okay. Pompey could be better, but we're still in and around that playoff mix, which is where Pompey, where's where the aim was. Two games in hand for what they were worth with 27 points at the time of recording. Um, but the issue is, you know what League One's like. It's getting to a point now. It was the same last season. It's very top-heavy. It's a difference between the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. Plymouth have got 41 points already at the time of recording, which is pretty mental. Yeah. And soon... There could be a gap there and there are lots of other good sides in this division in the round, the playoff spots, and it only takes a bad month and a half or, or two, but it's, let's say two one, bad one-month spells and then you're pretty much gone out of the playoffs. It, it, the, the margins are incredibly thin. So we're hoping that Pompey's bad patch has been more down to the injuries rather than the poor play, but you know, bad habits can sneak in, can't they? We have, I suppose, if we look at the at your recent results, can we have any kind of hope at all that we can compete against you? I look at your games against Forest Green Rovers, uh, Oxford, obviously still down there. Shrewsbury, I don't think are a great side either, and you've struggled to get points against those lower ranked, lesser resource teams, if you like. You see Morecambe in the bottom four. And you're fifth and lost us twice all season. 
on paper, it's nailed on, isn't it, I suppose? But as we know already this season and from last season, on the day, anything can happen. I wouldn't go as far as to say it's a gimme for Portsmouth at all. That's That, that would be quite arrogant to say, um, especially with um, the selections problems. If, for example, we have to go with Jay Ming and Ryan Tunnicliffe again, not that they're completely bad midfielders, but they played a lot of football in a short amount of time purely because of the selection problems and they're getting their sharpness back. But if they start that, if if Cali starts them in a 4-4-2 with some other things and Morecambe decided to play a low block, for example, Pompey might struggle to actually create some key chances and score. If Tom Lowry's playing, he came on against Hereford and pretty much changed the game in that FA Cup game. If he plays and they potentially play a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-4-2 under a bit more aggressive attacking Morecambe early and get an early lead, it's always easy to say that your team will be all right if they get an early lead. But if that happens, I think Pompey will be fine. And I think a lot of that hinges on what Derek Adams wants out of this game from a Morgan perspective. Does he want to try and set up his team like he did against Barnsley and try, uh, and try and be more aggressive and go for a win, especially at home? Or will he look at Pompey's results, let's say against Lincoln City at home, Fleetwood at home, Oxford at home and Shrewsbury at home, effectively? Does he go that route and say, okay, if we get an early goal, it would be aggressive to start with. Or even before that, if we sit in a low block and stifle Pompey, then we could get a point out of it, mm. which for a relegation battle inside would be good, really, against the team that's fifth. It entirely depends on how pragmatic Adams wants to go with it, really. Well, we've had three good home performances in a row against three quality sides. 2-2 draw against Derby. Arguably could have won on another day. More than competitive conceded two penalties, missed them both, of course they did, but uh, they they showed their quality, but we were well worthy of the point. Beat Barnsley, as we've alluded to. We lost 2-1 to Ipswich, but their only efforts on target for the whole game were, again, conceded two penalties in that game. They missed one and scored one, and then the other shot on target, which also went in, and and that was their only efforts on goal. So, And we had a goal disallowed for offside that was two yards onside. So we've had three good home performances in a row. Hopefully we can make it a fourth, but uh, I suppose we're under no illusion that uh, it's not going to be uh, as easy as that. I think we were riding the crest of the wave last season on Easter Monday from our victory against Charlton on the Good Friday, and that carried us to that one-all draw, but uh, it's not going to be easy. How, how how has Portsmouth away form been in general this season? In general, off the top of my head, it, has been, it was pretty reasonable to start with. We played it, it, Playing good sides at Port Vale, I remember, and at Forest Green, I think fans would uh, would describe them as "unquote" typical away performances, where he got the early goal, um, didn't do anything spectacular, but looked comfortable doing it. And you see a lot of like promotion sides say, "Oh, it's it's a standard away performance. That's fine." Uh, there were some of those, but then most recently against greater teams, Charlton, we capitulated completely away from home which was a shame um, and then before that the 3-2 against Ipswich which was really a mad game a ridiculous game where Ports have had two penalties and then yeah the last away game was actually the 2-0 against Burton which where we played much better than the typical away performance we pretty much controlled a lot of that game so really um, the form has been a bit strange and up and down and it I really won't won't properly be confident until I see the team sheet at two o'clock um, for a comfortable win at any rate. 
mainly because I'll look at the team and say, okay, they're playing these players, they're playing that formation, they'll be fine. Um, if it's a defe- if it's a depleted side, then Walker might be in with, with a chance of uh, at least a nick and a point. Freddie, great to chat as ever. I won't push you for a prediction then on the basis that you don't know what the team is. I, I, I can give a, I can but, give but, a so you're, you're more than welcome to. I'll, I'll be positive. Um, I'm still going to go two one Pompey. Um, purely because from watching the FA Cup game against Hereford um, with Tom Lowry coming back in, there seemed to be that spark there again in that second half after a pretty woeful first half where struggled to create anything um, and then the mistake leading to the goal. But once Tom Lowry came on in midfield, the change to the 4 really helped. The midfield had control about it and there were those key chances from the corners. So if those, if those things happen, if the right personnel are in the side, I think Pompey got a reasonable shout of nicking all three points and then get rid of that low block curse, if you like. Um, and they might have to change in the 4-4-2, especially against Morecambe if they decide to go. What formation does Morecambe usually play? Is it back, um, back three? 3-4-1. Three, uh, 3-4-2-1 last few weeks. Mm. But yeah, mm. it's, it's been a back three for most of the season. Yeah, pretty much. So, so if, if Danny Kelly actually decides to go for the 4-4-2, then Morecambe can actually control the midfield with that formation. So it'd be a bit strange. Um Again, if it's Pack and Lowry in the centre midfield, or Lowry and Joe Morrell, Welsh international going to the World Cup soon potentially. Um, if it's those two in midfield, I think it would be fine to play the four four two. But otherwise, you might go to the four two three one and play one up front, which would have its positives and downsides. But no, I'm still going to be fairly positive, even though there's a lot of things to think about before the game. Ready? Thanks so much for your time. Just before you go, is this season the season that Pombi can get back into the championship? Oh God! Before the season, I predicted Pompey will finish ninth, and everybody laughed at me because I was being negative. And that was before all the signings came in at the end. I think I'm confident this side's a playoff side, but the playoffs, as we know, are a complete lottery. Anything can happen, and Pompey have never have a dreadful record in playoffs <laughs> in recent and low uh, recent and further away history. So I'm not going to go as far as to say they're going to get promoted this season, but I think it'll be a playoff finish, I think. Is it fair to say that League One is stronger than it was last season? Yes, I think the be- I think the better sides in League One yes. have got more strength to them, yeah. Um, it doesn't, it, it, mainly down to Barnsley and Derby County getting relegated, I think. Those are some big things, but also just sides who have stayed in the league getting better. I mean, Sheffield Wednesday on paper are ridiculous. Have you seen their team? <laughs> We've played <laughs> them twice, Freddie. We've definitely, we have very much yeah, seen I know, them. I know. No, it's like the, the Pompey played them away first game of the season and, and glad we got that difficult game. Arguably the most difficult game of the season done out the, out the way. Got a free all draw. And I think that point's brilliant because you look at Sheffield Wednesday's team and they've got all the options in the world and you think, God, if they don't get promoted this season, it's going to be mad. And then you've got teams like Plymouth who arguably have the best manager in the league who can turn a game on a sixpence with like two changes within in the middle of the game so so there are a lot of good teams there are a lot of good teams and I think that's why I can't outrightly say Pompey are like nailed on automatic promotion contender that would be too far I think Pompey if they get in the playoffs they've got as much of a chance as anybody else but it's about getting there in the first place Freddie, give us the uh, sales pitch one more time for the uh, PO forecast. Where do we find it? If you guys want to listen to the PO forecast, uh, you can find us on Twitter at PO forecast. 
and also on Instagram at Pompey News Now, or you can go straight to audio streaming platforms like SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts on the PO Forecast. That's PO, the number four cast on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you'll, you'll see everything you need to know. It's, it's one of the best uh, in, in League One. There are a number of great ones in League One, the PO Forecast being one of them. Freddie, uh, thank you so much. Looking forward to chatting later in the week on, on, on the other side. And yeah, uh, certainly, look, certainly looking forward to the game uh, on Saturday, whichever way it might go. So good luck for the season uh, after Saturday, of course. <laughs> yeah, yes, of course. Thank you so much. Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio.